I V M. You're listening to Keeping It Queer with Naveen Narone. Hello and welcome to Keeping It Queer. My name is Naveen Narona. Joining me today is a very dear friend of mine. Hi, Ray. Hi. <laughs> and uh, the way I met Ray for the first time was at this beautiful venue called Hive, which is not uh, active anymore. R.I.P. Hive. And uh, I met you first, and you were draped in a in a nice sari, the Mallu sari. I don't know what to call it. What was it called? I call it the Mallu sari too. <laughs> Great. Or maybe the Onam sari. The Onam sari, yeah. yeah. Well, around, around the time Onam, and then we went around the back alleys of Car Road, <laughs> doing and, and unmentionable things. Unmentionable things. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this girl in the sari is like doing some cool stuff, and I really was admired back then as well to you know to talk to you and understand what your life's all about. And and over time we became friends, and I've seen seen you do poetry. I've seen you do so much activism around that as well. Talk about yeah. mental health and discuss uh, being bi as well. So, lot to get into this episode. Thank you so much, first of all, for coming on the show. Thanks for calling me so late, dude. <laughs> uh, yeah, we can get the you can get the stairs I'm getting right now. But uh, about Ray, she's a social impact specialist. She's a spoken word artist and an influencer in the mental health space. So define all these three roles for me. The heavy words. Yeah. So um, the social impact piece is so I mainly work like in my career I work with. the entire ecosystem in the social sector be it ngos be it social enterprises mm. or corporates so right now I'm, i'm heading corporate social responsibility at a company so uh, i've done my masters from tata institute of social sciences mm. um and yeah i've always been really interested in the impact space but i didn't want to restrict myself to just the ngo mm. um model i feel like there's so much of csr funding now that that's waiting to be channelized into good work and there's yeah. a dearth of people to be able to do that in the right way like strategically and do it in a, in mm. a way that doesn't just fund the most glamorous causes you yeah. know so yeah. the taxes as well <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> but did you consciously go to this because it's a very much more liberal atmosphere in general uh, so i grew to? up in i mean i was born in bombay but i mm. grew up in the middle east like between okay. saudi doha and dubai. So great, yeah. So you know, like just start levels of exactly, <laughs> and our salaries. So, yeah. um, so yeah, growing up, I felt really stifled mm. uh, in every country, including Dubai. Like people think Dubai is really liberal and chill. Mm. In a way, it is, but uh, it really took a toll on me. And you know, f- to do what I wanted to do, I just mm. didn't feel like I had any scope there, right? Mm. So I moved to India in two thousand nine, and that's when I decided to apply to TIS, really not knowing much about the politics and any of the <laughs> stuff that comes along with studying there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's where in two thousand ten I started my journey at at TIS, and since then I've been in the social sector. And at the same time, as you said, you were growing up in the Middle East. Uh, was there ever a point where you were you know, doubting your sexuality, or like, was there any clarity on that back then? Yeah. So back then, like the L word was. Mm. I mean, gay. You know, the L word and the G word were mm. bad words. Like, if you mm. were ever called that, it would be like a disgusting thing. So, yeah. uh, I was sent to boarding school in eleventh grade in Bangalore, mm. and uh, that's where I actually. I mean, that's the first time I actually. felt like i wasn't straight mm. uh it was a drunken episode mm. um and i made out with my best friend and i mm. kept a journal back then and you mm. know i wrote saying that hey like she apologized but i actually really <laughs> liked it yeah. and then that diary got stolen by the asshole guys in my class yeah. and um, you should know that the boy girl ratio in a boarding school was so skewed if there were six girls in the class there'd be 30 boys okay but so but like boarding school had boarding together or like yeah yeah it was uh, so girls stayed with yeah I mean, it was a co-ed school, but we had boys and Separate, girls dorm yeah, separate. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so there is when, like, I first started realizing mm. that I didn't fall into, you know, 
what you would call straight i started mm. um like i didn't really feel comfortable at all it was still a very negative like it had such a negative connotation mm. and that's where the bullying really started for me right so mm. my association with me exploring my sexuality like the first thought that comes to my head is the bullying that i had in boarding school because mm. when the boys read my book and they realized that i had kissed my best friend they were like you know they they literally sing songs like yeah. less 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 la 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 shit like this you know <laughs> for them they hit the gold mine with regards to when it comes to like you know stifling someone's uh, personality yeah that's the first thing people latch on to like if something sexual comes into, into yeah. like you know the idea like i remember back in 9th grade we had a couple in our class and they were one of those very lovey dovey couples and they would like you know take their shoes off and entangle their legs and shit <laughs> so, so somebody got a smartphone back then not smartphone like a very basic camera phone and took a photo of that and started blackmailing the girl so yeah. the guys just need an excuse to like somehow fuck you over. yeah and you know what happened is because of that hmm. um so this girl uh, she she stopped being close to me and then mm. i made another best friend in grade 12 and mm. because the, you know everybody associated my name with being lesbian mm. back then my own friends were like sometimes scared to hold my hand in public spaces mm. the matrons were you know like she walked in one to me you know hugging my friend like you know my roommate and sleeping and both of us were sleeping in our bras and underwear that's what you do like you yeah. you know it's a girls dorm and then she screamed saying ayo lesbian and she ran out and again like you know my parents were called and i was sent to a counselor and that's when i first self harmed because i was just like what is going on and sort of like how much can be encompassing <laughs> two words ayo lesbian is like <laughs> Oh god. But yeah, that's where it it's it started, yeah. So, uh from from there was it easier transitioning out of out of that boarding school for you? Um so or was that like the horror of that still fresh when you were getting back to college and stuff? No, so yeah, I mean, I went back to college, but I went back to Dubai then for mm. college and mm. I was staying with my parents and in Dubai again like it's still, you know, because it's an Arab country and because um mm. you know of of people's religious beliefs, it still isn't like it was still a very negative thing, right? Mm. And I started, you know, slowly talking to people about uh, how I I'm attracted to women and it mm. but in Dubai it became this thing like oh like you're this chick that wants attention and you think it's hot to hook up with women so like yeah that's who and you are these are your own friends yeah these are my own i mean they were my friends they aren't really my friends anymore but mm. i felt like people thought of you know saw a girl being attracted to both men and women as someone who is just doing it for the attention or for fun and mm. it was always reduced to can i watch or like hey you know <laughs> like can i be part of it i'm like what like do i ask you that if you know so, so it's not it, mainly homophobia it it's more like what if this fantasy comes true yeah so it became like this chance. yeah so so it became like yeah so again dubai wasn't that space where i felt comfortable at all uh, on on multiple occasions like you know like we go out and party and get drunk and make out with people on the dance floor I've ended mm. up doing that with women and mm. I've got kicked out of two three bars in in Dubai because of that mm. so I just realized that shit like I don't feel comfortable in my skin in any way here and that's mm. when you know fortunately after 3 years my course ended and I moved to India and in India things were things were much different and and yeah it was easier <laughs> okay so like did you find it easier to adapt in general with the with the crowd i think because i went to tis also that yeah. made a difference cuz there you you know you're you're made to question everything about your own mm. identity about why things are the way they are and all that kind of stuff and that so that mainly helps right having yeah. like kind of diverse people the diverse group of people around you yeah. helps you understand that this world beyond your understanding on what you were you were raised to believe right yeah because i grew up catholic as i always keep mentioning and for me my mom and dad tried to keep me as much as you know on the on the right part and uh, as much as i would enjoy going for other festivals they would keep me in, you know very within the within the church cubicle so your friends yeah. become your church friends and they they are the same ones who go to 
church, school and college with. So you don't have any other life experiences. So when you start questioning religion or your sexuality, yeah. you can't talk to these people because they were raised the same way as you and yeah. they look at you as abnormal. So yeah. you know that fight is so difficult. <laughs> but even in test like I was dating someone in the first year and uh, I remember while I was dating him I was mm. attracted to women. Now mm. again like that's also when I started questioning, you know, being um, monogamous versus being polyamorous and mm. being vocal about it because I realized that I was still attracted to other people yeah. even though I was dating someone so I was pretty honest with you know my boyfriend back then about it and he literally even he kind of mm-hmm. you know it's like when you talk about what you desire and you're you know you know it's like he took it on his ego like oh right. so like am I not enough I yeah. was like this isn't about you you know mm-hmm. I am attracted to her and whether or not I act on it like I'm, like I'm talking to you about it because she really means a lot to me and mm-hmm. Mina had this very platonic sort of thing for the longest time mm-hmm. there was so much attraction and it was like I have never felt that sort of attraction mm. in a long time you know mm. but I was so scared like back then like if I had to do do things differently I would dump that guy's ass and ask <laughs> her out but I was still too scared it's like you're still so used to like somewhere I was so comfortable being this guy's girlfriend mm. and you know like like I didn't think back then that you know like should I be pursuing this somewhere like I think I held myself back a lot and then we ended up going to our first pride together me and her and mm. still like I was holding myself back and then finally I realized that you know I can't be with this guy I dumped him but it was too late because you know she'd already decided to move on with someone mm. else so I missed that boat but so if someone says I think when they say you know is it I'm not enough I'm like yeah you're not enough the very fact that you know no, pers- no person will ever be enough because there's so much to learn you know right not, not only sexually or like emotionally yeah people come with their own packages and their own weird issues and it all become like a culmination of all these learnings is what defines you as a person as well at some point in life so i think it's good to have that kind of like you know not yeah. structuring your lot of shutting down your life because of one person and i i generally like in the past one year even i discovered that polyamory actually helps you become a better person overall because you're so nice to all of them yeah. without any you know without wanting to Control have something in return own, yeah. yeah exactly so like i don't want gifts from you i don't want anything from you just like be my friend meet me for drinks if you woke up amazing if not then we still be friends right that's the whole yeah. point it's just people have to like put labels and you know narrow down everything to one yeah. small particular but back then even like i remember my first pride and i remember the girl i went with she's still pretty hot and mm. she's like she was really famous in the queer circles mm. and <laughs> like i got give you know she actually told me the politics of you know like we were carrying the purple flag and she's like it isn't mm. easy being you know by in india because mm. it's like you are just looked at as this you know sleazy person that yeah. wants too much and wants everything so yeah. choose karna please yeah <laughs> what <laughs> it's not you're not going window shopping it's not like that yeah. so how would you like you know if 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 our listeners wanted to like understand the idea of you know what what spectrum is on in the in the by world or how do you define that how would you say that in in your in your own words um and because you're a spoken word artist like you know <laughs> work your magic i have to say something poetic <laughs> no but i still I mean I use that label because it's easy like it's easy to be part of it but I still like increasingly I'm realizing that it's it again sounds like a cliche but it is so much about who the person is mm. and what they make you feel and what you share in mm. a space right like at the end of the day you can experience and enjoy anybody's body if you connect with them so for me mm. right now I'm pretty like I really don't care like um if it's a guy or a girl or whatever so mm. I feel like being bi is is really challenging here but like the way i would define it is that i'm just not limiting myself to what i've been taught as a hmm. you know growing up that as a woman you're supposed to be with a man like 
like you have to start deconstructing all that and just take the person for who they are and what about back home like with your yeah folks? so back home I, okay i'm the only kid and i've always been really open to my parents so mm. i remember telling them and i think initially because i wasn't very convinced and i was unsure like even my parents thought it was a phase or mm. whatever and there was no coming out as such it's like mm. i kind of eased them into who i was in every way right mm. whether it's it's my mental health or whether it's the kind of people i've chosen to be with in life Hmm. man woman doesn't matter so i keep telling them that you know if you love someone is just love like why should all this matter and they've never really shame me for it they've been very chill like they've never confronted me hmm. about it openly yet but i have gone home and i've told my like i've introduced my parents to people hmm. that i'm seeing and i've spoken to them about you know the people in my life irrespective of their gender so mm. they haven't really like home wasn't whether you know where yeah. the tension was I know really met your mom but i've seen her photos on facebook <laughs> she looks very warm as a person yeah. and she like she's very hot also like i i, I <laughs> yeah. should say this ray like she beats you hands down i mean, i know she does <laughs> <laughs> all right so let's take a small break here and when we come back we'll talk about your poetry and the other uh, impactful stuff that you're doing to help out with regards to mental health sure. we're keeping it queer ray and i and we'll be back soon Welcome back to Keeping It Queer. I'm here with Ray, and uh, while we were discussing uh, a bunch of stuff in the first half, we touched upon how you also reach out to people who are, uh, you know, suffering with mental health or you know, trying to deal with their sexuality. How did that come about? So I think, I mean, I did major in mental health and disability in my masters, but that's I feel like mainly um, this was after TIS or like the TIS course only. The TIS course was that, okay, yeah. Okay. So I. I don't know I would have courses for everything no <laughs> yeah they do name Surely it and enough <laughs> they don't leave anybody out <laughs> so yeah uh, my work started post my studies there and uh, mainly it was it started with just recognizing the fact that people with disabilities and mental health challenges um number one are majorly denied opportunities as far as education work and different mm. things is concerned only because of that aspect of their identity right mm-hmm. and i think somewhere even though i don't have a physical disability or whatever i've always felt very unstable mentally right and, mm. and only recently i've got diagnosed with something but i think my my own issues went undiagnosed for almost all my life mm. even though i had the education and the awareness that you know mm. this can happen so my work started there and it involves like a mix of things i work with you know a lot of kids and uh, do workshops on inclusion and diversity because a lot of times in mainstream schools we do have one or two kids with disabilities and mm. the other kids don't know how to react to it how mm. do you play with that kid and stuff like that so i use a lot of games and storytelling and spoken word and things like that to get children to mm. understand that disability or mental health or even sexuality is mm. one aspect of your identity And that is diverse these, so yeah. all these kids you've met are very cool cats in general you told yeah, me about yeah, them yeah, right yeah 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 they're already yeah. aware of what's happening yeah a lot of times they are mm. but i feel like teachers you know find it awkward or or to mm. like bring this up and parents also to an extent so i think it it's nice when you get the chance to interact with kids and 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 really see what their thoughts are on this because the future is them right like mm. like the people you know the decision makers of tomorrow are these kids and that's why their perspective towards this really matters and i think even for yeah. teachers and parents if they are enough like if they have enough conviction they can they can tell, tell the kids just that they are afraid what what the questions will be and they're not equipped enough to answer them immediately you know yeah. so while you were mentioning uh, your past relationships you said polyamory was something that you were wondering about i was one yeah so i think 
to be honest most of my life even though i've wanted to be that i've just ended up cheating mm. and that's how i think for a lot of people it starts like polyamory yeah. isn't you know everybody should know what's happening be on mm. the same page it's being completely transparent and honest so mm. i'm not in a polyamorous relationship now mm. uh and i've never really completely been in it um mm. but i feel like i am actively questioning whether i i am polyamorous or not and linking into mental health so i went to a psychiatrist and i got diagnosed with anxiety and depression and mm. the third point she wrote was symptoms of borderline personality disorder mm. and one of the you know and the reason she wrote that is because i said i uh, told her about you know about me sleeping with a lot of people irrespective of you know whether they women or men mm. and i also told her about how i have questions about whether or not i even want to you know what settling down means for me so uh, when i did tell the psychiatrist about um me exploring my not sexual orientation but just like you know if uh, whether or not i even believe in monogamous relationships and mm. all that and she just kind of reduced it to an illness you know mm. because impulsive behavior check mm. you know um promiscuous being promiscuous being like sleeping around with multiple people yeah, yeah. check so like i still don't know whether i have bpd or not mm. uh, and i was put on meds for it which i took for a while but then i'm off it now and i'm doing therapy so i'm mm. actually right now still figuring out with my therapist whether mm. what i feel and you know who i really am is it really because of an illness or is it because i'm just wired that way so i still mm. don't have answers to a lot of those questions but you said that losing a lot of weight helped <laughs> <laughs> which i should try uh yeah so i mean the trigger for that was because i ended up with a back injury mm. um towards uh, the end of 2016 so like for a for a good year you vanished like you know yeah. you were cycling <laughs> on my facebook timeline and then you vanished for a while yeah no i didn't continue cycling at all i mean yeah. i i didn't continue that i i went on the keto diet so i oh keto tell us about this it's amazing so mm. so keto is like a high fat moderate protein low carb diet right so you deny your i mean okay come back again high fat moderate protein, moderate protein okay and low, and low carb, carb. Okay. yeah so regularly like for regular bodies on in who are eating a balanced indian diet mm. the carbohydrates is really high really so high, and yeah. and when your body burns carbs for fuel mm. uh it isn't really like the best fuel for your brain or your body so mm. in keto you deny your body of carbs so i was on a carb count of less than 20 grams a day so okay. no roti no rice um i literally only had tofu paneer and egg i'm a vegetarian so i couldn't have any of the meat mm. so i mean i didn't have it so um so yeah i think your brain on ketones when your body starts producing ketones it's just mm. you have so much energy because when i was on medication i you know it does affect you physically right i mm. did become a bit slower than usual my reflexes were slow and i just generally felt a sense of blurness and you know emotional bluntness so mm. i think keto just like pumped things up for me and it gets you to the phase where you actually feel like you have the energy to work out mm. and do things so i would work out only twice or thrice a day i would go to the gym mm. and but twice yeah, a day sorry a week oh, my sure. bad <laughs> i'm like what twice is crazy <laughs> energy just like you went all supersonic <laughs> on your no twice or thrice a week and yeah. uh yeah so i i did it i did consult someone so mm. disclaimer it isn't easy to do it on your own and i wouldn't yeah. recommend it because it's not for everybody's bodies right so you should get like your mm. test done your blood and all your i have friends who just like are on liquids basically right? they can't even consume proper solid meals so they're just like drinking liquid to just like deny the body of of the extra fat and carbs yeah so so at what point did you feel like this is making a difference in your in your lifestyle i think just like 3 weeks into keto mm. you know apart from like losing weight i just started feeling so much better and fresh mm. mentally and less foggy and everything so yeah and now it's been like uh, about 30 weeks that i was on it mm. and i've 
lost like 18.5 kg so in a way there's a lethargy that comes to your body along with you know when when mental anxiety steps in yeah. you basically your body goes into a weird shutdown where you're not even like your will to yeah. do something also subsides yeah. so something like this obviously gives you a little bit of a boost to yeah, do other exactly. stuff yeah cool. and you just i mean start feeling good about yourself because i feel like with anxiety and depression your anyway your self esteem can get really fucked and affected mm-hmm. and then with the weight gain and with you know shit in life generally you feel <laughs> like you're not in a good position but yeah. i feel like this so my take is that if i can't control my mind let me just start with the body you know it's something yeah. i can control yeah. and yeah. some and being in control is what you miss when you have a mental illness mm. you know most times so i feel like this made me feel like wow you know there's one part of life that i'm completely at least i know exactly what i'm eating mm. and you know because i've given up sugars i gave up alcohol as well completely so it's it's like almost like the capitalists are like trying to control <laughs> us through food and just giving us all the sugar shit that because, we don't even need yeah exactly so i cut down sugar a couple of months ago not even a couple of months ago almost like a bunch of uh, months ago yeah <laughs> what around june yeah after i came back from my past now You did Vipassana? Yeah, I went for Vipassana. That's amazing. So, again, like, I realize I'm polyamorous during Vipassana. Like, in the middle of it, I'm, I'm meditating and I'm like, I am a whole. <laughs> I don't want I don't want one person. So, yeah. after Vipassana, I came back and I and I went on a whole, you know, no sugar diet. And that helped me a lot. I, I lost six kilos. Doesn't show. But, but you know, internally, I felt like yeah. much lighter in general because it's like a clutter in your head that, you know, accumulates with your food. And weirdly enough, the body and the mind have to be in sync to be able to, you know, deal with issues. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's a great learning, obviously, for all of us yeah uh, and so since then i've started i mean i ran my first 10k at the mm-hmm. mumbai marathon this sunday and okay to be honest <laughs> i've been working out i've been doing yoga mm-hmm. and i've been swimming but yeah. i actually didn't run at all like i didn't train right and uh, i realized that i'm going to get totally screwed because mm-hmm. i ended up on on the race day really 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 anxious and stressed i'm mm-hmm. like i haven't even done a 5k in my life mm-hmm. properly but yeah like it was crazy <laughs> i completed it in 71 minutes i didn't mm. walk and run i just completely jogged and people who've been training for much longer than me like came like had mm. a you know had like a longer time they took so i was mm. just like my body is definitely in a better position to um do things with stamina and mm. and things like that so even though i'm an occasional smoker it didn't really affect my running yet so yeah i think yet <laughs> yeah yet i say yet <laughs> awesome so tell me about the most bizarre things people have told you like you know every time someone comes out to people this reactions what's the worst you got okay one is that oh my god so on tinder you're interested in men and women hmm. they're like shit man that's amazing you have like a bigger pool to select from <laughs> <laughs> go for the tinder selection pack Yeah. <laughs> is there a bigger pack than I don't know I've never been on Tinder. I've not I'm, I've never paid on Tinder so I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, that's one and and apart from that just you know really funny shit like oh you like the boobs and the you know and the balls. People just yeah, people just <laughs> sexualize everything a bit too yeah. much I think and that can get annoying. Because I've had like you know I've had people both men and women that I've been really attracted to but it's been platonic but there is some attraction and there mm. is love and there is intimacy even though it doesn't have to boil down to being sexual so mm. So yeah. So before we close mm-hmm. the episode, how about you read one of your spoken word pieces for us? Sure. So I wonder what this is about. <laughs> so this one's called What Polyamory Is Not. Since I'm still figuring out what <laughs> it is. <laughs> Polyamory does not equal to having orgies all the time. 
Polyamory is having multiple romantic relationships at the same time. Some may be sexual, some may not. And if any of your partners find each other attractive, then you could possibly explore the idea of an orgy, but not without their consent. Polyamory is my boyfriend asking me how my date was with my girlfriend. Not because he wants to jerk off to it. Not because he feels a sense of ownership, but simply because he cares that I have a good time. Polyamory is not the same as cheating. Cheating is lying, hiding and betraying your partner's trust by keeping them in the dark of all your romantic escapades. When polyamory is done right, everybody knows about each other's existence. Today, I confess. I have cheated, I have lied, I have hid. Not only from my partners, but from myself. I have reduced my emotions to a passing frenzy and sought shelter behind the comfort of being fucked up. But no, no more. Polyamory is not polygamy. Polygamy is the practice of one man married to multiple women with or without their approval, expecting them to be dedicated wives, fulfilling their duties towards that one man they collectively call a husband. Whereas polyamory is non-monogamy, where irrespective of who you are or your gender identity, it is you that decides who your partners are and not the privilege of your gender. Polyamory is also not polyandry. Was Draupadi really consulted before she was presented to the kingdom as a dutiful hoe and then gifted to the five men who passed a skills test only to win her in marriage? Polyamory is not coercion. Polyamory is not commodifying bodies. Polyamory is about choices. Polyamory is about making them. Polyamory is also about changing them. Polyamory is not devoid of jealousy. The first few times a partner spoke to me about a guy she had made love to, I had imagined him up in my head to be some Greek god-like magical being. And when we finally met, he was as human as I was, someone with the same fears and the same need to be loved. And so I hugged him, half afraid and half anxious, letting him know that even though I love her to bits and write her poetry, every time she blows my mind, there's always more room for polyvocal poetry. Polyamory is about being vocal about how you feel. It's not about but pretending that all is cool when it actually may not be cool Woo. thank you so much Ray, for joining us and we'll be back with the next segment soon thank you thank you don't go anywhere the keeping it queer podcast will be back with the culture vulture segment featuring Farhad right after this break Welcome back to Keeping It Queer. My name is Naveen Narona. With me right now is Farad Karkarya. Hello. Zarur. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is the culture world segment on my show. So Farad, uh, what's been up? Like recently, uh, I hear you've been watching a lot of TV shows. I have been. I'm always watching a lot of TV shows. But uh, in fact, everyone except RuPaul's Drag Race, which ex- you have like oh my God. reservations about. Oh my God. I never said that to Naveen. I don't know why he would Guys, say that. I have uh, actual proof before we actually sat down to record this. Farad was uh, being very stupid about RuPaul's Drag Race and I put him in his place. Stupid's a strong <laughs> word. <laughs> Fuck you. You do not come uh, after Mamaru. Yeah, I'm just uh, someone who isn't into RuPaul's. I'm a project runway guy. Uh, You'll get there. I already I like, like a little. <laughs> I also, in the meanwhile, gave you enough like reasons to check it out. Season 6 especially is like one I am, of those. I am. I'm definitely going to watch season 6 of RuPaul's. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That because I was there. I was right there where you are right now based on a couple of episodes just the entire show. Yeah. But then I think it's 
been a very key mouthpiece in terms of how it's you know you're portrayed. being every gay friend that I've had who's tried to get me to Rupert. You're being that guy right now. But I'm who's a nice like, person. How can you not like Rupert? I'm not so saying that. See, I always said that. Or or not? How can you not like Rupert? But at least find these really deep things about Rupert. That oh, mm. this is the reason you should watch it. And I know on the surface why it's a great show yeah. to watch. You should not watch but, it entirely. I won't rebuke you. But okay. like you know, because you've done some of it, and now you're being all you know. Mm, Snooty. PC, PC about it. Yeah. I can. I like my reality shows with a little bit of finesse. <laughs> there is finesse. You're just like, you were not watching the right season. Because Violet Chachki won that season. So. Mm. <laughs> I'm getting hate for that. Mm. It's okay. Uh, so, uh, speaking of TV shows, uh, tell me something that we should check out. Uh, there's. A, I don't know if you should. Uh, no, I'll definitely recommend great TV shows. Mm. Uh, but uh, there's a theme, right? Like, yeah. uh, what I wanted to talk about was great uh, gay TV relationships mm-hmm. uh, over the years uh, and how I thought of this was I'm re-watching so I'll recommend a lot of movies TV shows over the course of this yeah, season yeah. I guess but my all time if someone asks me what's your number one favorite mm. all time TV show it's six feet under uh, and it's been a couple of years since I saw it I wanted to watch it again I started watching yeah, it's it it's lovely and uh, there's your David and uh, Keith David yeah. and Keith and uh Wow, uh, I thought about why not talk about some great TV show characters uh, mm-hmm. or couples, TV show gay couples. Uh, so the first, obviously, Six Feet Under, uh, yeah. David and Keith, I fucking love them. Why, why uh, do you love them so much? Because, uh, see, that's the thing, right? There were so many shows that were bursting out as gay shows back mm-hmm. then. There was Queer as Folk, there was Villain Grace. But yeah, there yeah. are no like really memorable couples from gay like prominently gay shows back mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. but I felt like HBO uh, apart from Oz I felt like Six Feet Under was the first show where I could actually see uh, two gay guys from very dysfunctional families mm-hmm. uh, trying to make it work uh, like their relationship that lasted over uh, five years so solid friction no friction I felt it was very real yeah. uh, so I just I don't know I just felt the way it dealt with a, a gay relationship six feet mm-hmm. under like was the first show where I felt like this is amazing like this is what a gay couple is instead of like bang bang break up bang mm-hmm. bang break up that I saw in every other TV show uh, that's the first one what else hmm uh, do you watch Shameless I do not okay to get to it okay Shameless is a great show let's start there it's in its uh, I William believe. H. Macy right yep yep, yep. Uh, there's a UK version there's a US version uh, both are fantastic uh, but I love Shameless uh, because it has probably one of the most unique uh, gay couples I've ever seen uh, it's it starts off with a really super straight criminal uh, thug <laughs> of the street kind of guy uh, who fights a lot with this uh, sweet little boy who doesn't know he's gay mm. and as I watched it over the years they have now become like one of the best gay couples I've ever seen the, if you just watch the show I can't describe it like that uh, Ian and Mickey uh, okay. I'll check it out yeah Ian Gallagher Mickey Valkovich so if you watch Shameless, uh, just the way it is, it also has one of the most amazing uh, coming out uh, scenes ever in the history when the uh, thug guy finally decides <laughs> to come out to this little town that he's a gay guy and nobody would believe him the way he comes out. I feel like it's one of the best moments in TV history. Nice. Uh, very violent, very like uh, dramatic, very like probably... Uh, yeah, very violent, but still a gay couple. I just love uh, that mix. Uh, that was one. Um, what next? 
Modern Family. Yeah, I was just going to modern, modern Family. Because I'm not a huge fan. The more I watch it, I feel like the humor is dimmed down a bit. I was a big fan of the show. Yeah. Like because it was again like a mainstream gay couple that was yeah. you know out there. Star Wars yeah. was like promoting it. Like and I was like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. And uh, I was totally a sucker for Cam. So you know, I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> and he's the straight one yeah. in life, really. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, over the years, like their relationship on TV hasn't grown as such. There's not been so much evolution. Like around the third season, they were teasing that they'll have one more baby, and they, they were like, they were. They Really intent on getting a boy, and yeah. you know they they yeah, went yeah. for it, but then they got a cat instead. And, yeah. you know, and then no, they did get a second child. Later. No, no, that never happened. No, I remember that scene with the Lion King. That was the first episode of the first season. That's, that's the first child. No, I thought that was way later on. No, the Lion King thing is in the first season. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So when the whole family comes okay. and and uh, Ed is wearing like this hip hop, uh, I've watched yeah. the show way too many times. Like the first <laughs> three seasons, at least I've uh, binge watched multiple times because it's pure. Comedy. It was so funny. It, it was, was so, so funny. funny. And I speak about it in a past tense sort of a thing because was, now I watch yeah, it. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? It's called Modern Family. <laughs> I felt like what's modern about it, apart from them having a prominent gay couple with mm. a child. But I just love the because everybody knows that one couple, right? Where yeah, one yeah. is overtly dramatic and like super. Uh, La- yeah, super flamboyant. Yeah, the other's yeah. a little level-headed. Uh, he's a lawyer, I believe. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? I love that mix. I and love their chemistry. Well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a ginger. So, so like you know, like earlier on, their relationship quirks were very defined in terms of like you know the power struggle or like you know somebody doesn't want to clean the kitchen, then that's yeah, like a thing. Yeah, yeah. So it must be funny like that. Now it's yeah. all about ki whose fault is it? All the time yeah. it's like you know like who dropped the ball sort of thing instead of it being like nice quirky thing constantly. But yeah. again, I still watch the recent episodes. I do not enjoy the humor. Anymore yeah. at all, but I just always find them shining more than the mm. remaining guy because there are what are the other modern things about modern family, I right? Think Sophia Vergara's boobs, yeah. <laughs> they're the most modern latest, yeah. Version. There's a Jay and Gloria, which yeah. is just an yeah, old guy yeah. who's with a young chick. That's the most modern thing about that equation, <laughs> and, the, and the kids they grew up so fast, dude. <laughs> yeah, the son became like pretty hot. Do you huh? find the son hot? Phil's son, what's his Luke, name? Luke. Luke. Yeah. I don't know. Golden Gold. Yeah, he's fucking hot. Yeah. I find him freaking hot. I'm more of a. I can say that now, now that person. he's an adult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. yeah. So now they're going in in colleges and like hooking yeah. up and all that. Yeah. I'm like, meh. You were so cute two days yeah, ago. Yeah, what yeah, happened? Yeah, yeah. Uh, even um, queer as folk, I loved uh, your Justin and uh, Brian uh, yeah, yeah. Brian Kinney. Uh, I love that because again, as an overarching relationship in a TV show for five mm. seasons straight, you always sort of rooted for them. They broke up, but somehow they always cared for each other. Mm-hmm. I love that because again, I felt like that happens a lot in real life. Uh, but in regular, oh man, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh yeah, yeah, Raymond Holt and Kevin Cosner. I love that fucking. It's not Kevin Cosner. Hey, Cosner. Cosner. Yeah, yeah, Kevin. Yeah. Cosna uh, and the name so funny, but I just love their relationship. Uh, the way and, it's and they're like so uptight about it. They're so uptight, <laughs> so stern faced, both yeah, of them. Yeah, like yeah. they're super acidic. Uh, and you know what? Again, like I was following this Tumblr post on like how Brooklyn Nine Nine is one of the finest TV shows yeah. and a representation of the current time and age totally. because like their main superintendent is is a black gay dude. Yeah, and uh, yeah. all the three women in the show are yeah. powerful in yeah. their own way. Yeah, and uh, and you know they have like one more guy is German. Yeah, and Jake is actually. Italian. Yeah, it's a great mix. It's a, it's a great, great mix, mix of yeah, you know, yeah, cast. Yeah. Uh, Terry Crews is yeah, Terry Crews. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and the way they handle the whole uh, gay thing, like you know, yeah. he has like a rainbow flag on his desk. They totally, don't, they don't make a scene about it. It's Absolutely, just there. It's, it's there. so subtle. 
succinctly placed in there you know Uh, because uh, it's a slapstick again like super funny show but it has such poignant moments you Mm. know where uh, I remember there's one scene I forget her name but she returns her their cutlery she puts all that cutlery on their table yeah Uh, and I just I just find so many moments where it shines and in such subtle ways puts out a gay Mm -hmm. relationship to the fore in the show I love that I would like to throw in Grace and Frankie's uh, Robert and Saul as well totally yeah because like you know like they are built up from the very big beginning as being the douchebags who abandoned their wives yeah, but yeah. their relationship over the season yeah, basically yeah, becomes it grows on you yeah, it, it grows on, on you because yeah. they really care about each yeah, other yeah, 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 you can yeah. imagine that 20 years yeah, of them not yeah. telling their wives must have yeah. killed them that's their character development yeah. comes there's one, in, right? one episode where uh, the guy's former lawyer boss comes to yeah. his house for his, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, for his uh, I think the bachelor party yeah. which are throwing in the house so they keep it all prissy for them like you know they have like <laughs> nice music champagne and you know yeah. Uh, cocktails named after their names like Robert Mary and uh, and something like Saul it's just very funny and uh, so now like they call on the guy's daughter to bring on like a massive dildo shaped uh, you know the bull that you ride yeah basically like yeah. You know, to not fall off yeah. what do you call it the uh, raging bull mechanical the mechanical bulls. bull yeah. Yeah. yeah but it's a dick shaped thing <laughs> <laughs> so so everybody's like having fun outside but this old boss is like I didn't know you'd turn into a faggot and he goes to punch him but he guy, like he holds him back he's like, not worth it and that spoke to me volumes you know like yeah. if somebody's being yeah. a dick to you you don't have to like yeah. go and become on their level yeah, yeah. like be about that situation yeah. so yeah so these are the these are the four main uh, I'd like to do you want to call out for some lesbian relationships as well before oh, we, we are called whoa. out for being uh, again um, the L word I remember watching a little bit of the L mm-hmm. word uh, it died too soon so I, I felt a little bad for it but back then uh, the L word was great uh, again queer as folk had a very prominent lesbian couple in it who mm-hmm. had like their uh Hmm, let me think. I can't. I can't think of. Even San Junipero was nice. That one episode. That one on episode of Black, Black Mirror. Mirror where, yeah, you know, yeah. Relationship. <laughs> but even that arc is really beautiful. Like they had they together after. Yeah. Eternity as well. Yeah, I saw it just once. I love the vibe of it. Uh, the I synth know music. And, yeah, you like yeah, synth. Yeah. I love synth. So it was <laughs> fucking great. Yeah. Nice. So thank you so much, Farad, for giving us uh, like you know these cool uh, TV relationships. Anytime. That we can, yes. <laughs> and uh, people out there, what is your favorite couple from television shows that you've? seen before uh, do write to us I'm at House of Narona on Twitter Farad is on Facebook you can find him at Farad Karkarya and you can also check out other cool shows on IVM Podcast until then this is Keeping It Queer I'm Naveen Narona Farad say bye 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 <laughs>